I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World, protesters in Seattle, Washington, declared an area that includes the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone after Seattle Police and the National Guard pulled out of the region. The six-block region has been declared an autonomous zone. Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is being referred to by occupants as CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHOP, Capitol Hill Occupied Protest. The occupants of CHAZ are refusing to leave until their demands are met. Here are just a few of them. The Seattle Police Department and attached court system are beyond reform. We do not request reform, we demand abolition. We demand the degentrification of Seattle, starting with rent control. We demand the hospital and care facilities of Seattle employ black doctors and nurses specifically to help care for black patients. We demand that the history of black and Native Americans be given a significantly greater focus in the Washington State education curriculum. My guest has been reporting from Seattle's Autonomous Zone for the past five days. I'm pleased to welcome Andy No, editor-at-large for the Post-Millennial and contributor for Newsweek, The Wall Street Journal, and Fox News, and author of the upcoming book, Unmasked, Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. first, Andy, and I really am grateful you took the time to talk to us because I know you're right in the middle of covering some pretty amazing stories. 
I'm fascinated because you have quite a reputation as a guy with a lot of courage who goes to some pretty interesting places and has experiences that very few reporters do. What's gotten you into that? How did that happen? Well, I think that rebellious slash dissenting spirit started probably when I was a student journalist. It was just a few years ago in 2016, 2017. At that time, it was candidate Trump and then Trump's election win. And I lived through seeing that meltdown from a university student perspective. I really wanted to cover stories that I felt like my peers and other co-editors were not really interested in covering. Things about what made Trump appealing to some young people, what made him appealing to some minorities. So it began with that. And then living and working in Portland at that time, naturally, I developed some interest in covering Antifa because they were then this nascent militant movement in the city that was leading these riots, particularly after the November 2016 election. And for the next four years to the very present day, they've been rioting in Portland. And you can see not just in the Pacific Northwest, but across the United States. They play a very important role in their small numbers in being agitators and instigators of violence at demonstrations. Well, didn't Antifa in its modern form actually start in Portland about 2003? There are many Antifa groups. Some of them don't even use that name. Some of them just follow an Antifa ideology. But Portland is unique in that it had the first formal organization called Bro City Antifa, who I'm suing, by the way, just putting that out for disclosure. And that was formed in 2007. One co-founder named Carolyn Victorin and her Swedish husband, Johan Victorin. And they imported essentially a European model for organizing, recruitment, and radicalization. Antifa has been around for decades. It really grew out of the far-left scene that developed in Germany in the 60s and 70s. And it takes a lot of inspirations from various left-wing terrorist groups from Europe, like the RAF, for example. And their symbols and name even is inspired by the Antifa action. The original one was the paramilitary of the German Communist Party in Germany in the interwar years. So they take inspiration for something much older, have been around for decades. And in terms of the American manifestation, seemed to really become mainstream in the past five years in part partially because of the the left moving more and more to the left and being more embracing of radical and even, I would say, extremist elements. Portland seems to be one of the central growth areas, and you and I are talking the day after they apparently had riots in Portland. Why did it grow up there? What's your sense of Portland and Seattle, these two West Coast cities that each in their own unique way seems to be cultivating a a kind of 
radicalism totally outside the American experience. I'm speaking to you from Seattle. Normally, I'm based in Portland. I'm in Seattle because I've been covering on the ground this so-called autonomous zone that's been established here in Portland. Last night, there was violent rioting. It's been happening every day for 18, 19 days, ever since the killing of George Floyd. Last night, it was particularly bad because there were arson attacks and looting. The Pacific Northwest, I think, a couple of reasons for why this area of the country is where they are probably the most active and among the most violent. One is the establishment of it being around much longer, going back almost 15 years in the case of Portland. Two, the cities here are not too big. Both Portland and Seattle are around 700,000 people each. And so these are both left-wing, I would, some would even say far less, political monocultures. So there's really no presence of conservatism or even moderate politics. Even in New York City or LA, those places are big enough that there's still some type of conservative presence that is enough to amass occasionally or whatever. In Portland and Seattle, there aren't any of those people. So you have city councils and local governments in general just entirely of the left and far left. So Seattle has been passing these ordinances and getting these injunctions passed that take away the tools of Seattle police to be able to use crowd control. They remove their ability to use tear gas, for example. Uh, now they passed an ordinance, I believe, yesterday that took away rubber bullets. The politicians and the culture as well empowers the left-wing extremism because there's no counterpoise. In the case of Seattle, a lot of this goes all the way back to the IWW and the whole wobbly movement, which I think had a pretty big place in the port there before World War I. There's always been a long tradition of some level of left-wing thought in Seattle. Thanks for bringing up the IWW, the International Workers of the World. So that is a far-left revolutionary Marxist anarchist workers union. And actually, they play a pretty important role in that many of their members and supporters are also either part of Antifa or allies of it. At any of these riots and large demonstrations, you will frequently see IWW clothing as well. If it's a protest, you may even see them tabling. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xu mo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Now that you're up there in Seattle, what are you seeing on the ground? As you know, different news sources are giving radically different versions of what's going on. Just over a week ago, the Seattle police abandoned the East Precinct. It was actually shortly after the city council had the emergency restraining order against them using tear gas. And for many days before the abandoning of the station, this area of Seattle called Capitol Hill, it's, I guess, a far left area of the city. Rioters have been trying to riot outside of the police precinct, and they have been pushed back. And police used tear gas, and they were condemned by everybody on city council, as well as the mayor. And once they were denied the ability to actually use crowd control, they really had no choice but to abandon this facility. They had no way to protect it. My sourcing tells me that there was a decision made from the mayor's office for the SPD, Seattle Police Department, to vacate that area. And so after they left, all the barricades that had been there that the city had, had established was now reappropriated by these rioters and protesters. They moved them all into this multi-block area, into all the intersections on every street, creating this blockade that quickly grew into what they called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ. Some declared it a separate political entity from the United States. They put up signs like, you are entering Chad, you are now leaving the United States. Yes, there is very different narratives being put out depending on the reporter and the media organization. And I wouldn't say that everybody is lying. People are presenting half-truths. During the day, when the media crews are there, when it's much safer, it is relatively peaceful. If you can ignore the boarded up buildings, the graffiti calling for police to be killed everywhere, the extremist radical literature that's being passed out, if you ignore all that, yes, it's peaceful. 
And so the media crews that come in during the day, we'll see people dancing and having a barbecue, having a good time. And that's the story they're putting out. But I've been going there in the middle of the night. When the sun goes down, the media crews are not there when they're not welcome. You see the criminal elements come out and just general anarchy. You have certain figures who are acting kind of like as a warlord. You have those who are establishing sort of pseudo-militias. The area is guarded. It's quite surreal in that when you go past these border checkpoints to enter, there's no more function of government there. They have their own guards who have a pretty sophisticated system of communication and organization. They have this team members who are assigned to specific border checkpoints. They have the walkie-talkies. They have the people who are armed with weapons. So you go there and you see people carrying rifles, handguns, knives, batons, all these weapons, and they say that they're protecting themselves and defending their community. Naturally, a lot of vagrants have come there. There's a lot of open drug use as well. So it's quite baffling to me that People bring their children there as if it was a block party or something. In terms of media misinformation, media crews that are based in D.C. or New York that are writing about this, who are not actually on the ground at night, are just depending on the press releases and the words from the mayor's office. And I think this whole event has been deeply embarrassing for the mayor. She's trying to downplay it, calling it a peaceful gathering, but it's a literal no-go zone for police. The fines everywhere, no pigs allowed, no cops allowed. And actually, it's police policy now, unofficially, that if there's a life safety issue, a phone call made from inside that zone, police will not render aid inside. You actually have to be physically brought out beyond the borders of it. So there's no ambulance service inside the zone? Not inside. I know that they drive up to the checkpoint. I mentioned a moment ago that there's a lot of drug use, drug abuse. And over the weekend, there were some people who were transported by ambulance to the hospital. I heard anecdotally that it was related to overdosing, but I can't confirm that. The ambulance does not go in. They go up to the border and then the person who needs help is brought out. Police definitely do not go in. Fire trucks do not go in because fire trucks, unfortunately, have to operate under police protection now. Just two nights ago, there was a alleged arsonist and thief who broke into a nearby business in that area. Many of the mainstream media is not focusing on the impact on those who live and work there and not those who are occupied. So there's a nearby auto shop. It's actually outside of the boundaries of this so-called zone, but it's close enough. The owner there said that a looter tried to start a fire and they detained him. Somehow word made it immediately back to the camp. Somebody blasted that on the microphone. I was actually there. That was around midnight, early Monday morning. And a mob of like a hundred people just sprinted there, blocks to get to the zone, broke down the fence to get in to try to rescue their comrade. The owner says they called more than a dozen times for police, but police and fire never came. So this is the type of lawlessness 
that not just people inside the people even just near it are having to live under. Unfortunately, those in the local government are basically giving a green light to violent protesters because if police do show up, that will incite just just their mere presence will people will respond violently. I mean, they've been brainwashed for years now with anti-police sentiment, but within the space, it's really intensive. People don't even seem to realize how extreme some of these messages that are being written everywhere, what they actually say. Like, it really surprises me that it's just become so normal for them now. Has anybody been able to take pictures of the messages? Yes, I've been taking them discreetly and sending them out. They're calling for the murder and killing of police. And something that I've been focusing on is paying attention to the extremist literature that's been giving out at several of the booths. Some of them describe how to commit criminal activity and how to get away with it, how to hide your identity, how to encrypt your messaging, how to be secure in your communications with other comrades, how to create bombs from light bulbs. When I see these stories come out from Daily Beast or CNN, where they focus on business owners who are supportive of what's happening, it's propaganda at this point. At night, when fights and stuff have broken out in between different factions of the occupiers, when they've been aggressive to outsiders, and there are people recording, they always say, put down the camera, put down the camera, Fox News is going to use this against us. So that whole space is propaganda. You're not allowed to openly document what is actually happening in reality. They so want to control the narrative. Yesterday, my cover was blown. Could have been really bad. Fortunately, I got out unharmed, but some of the Antifa people found out who I was, even though I was incognito. There are a lot of things that you can see and hear and read when you're up close when they think you're one of them. It's different than the story that they present to those who come in with security and a cameraman and a photographer. Didn't they have at least one city council member actively supporting them in setting this up? Well, Yes, you're talking about the socialist-identified city councilwoman. She's expressed moral support for the camp, and she actually led a protest that went inside city council that became a sort of mini-occupation, but fortunately that cleared out. She's the most openly radical member of city council. She's an immigrant woman from India and has very extreme views on what she envisioned society to be. And so she'd been pushing for the defunding of the outer police. And unfortunately, that's been the whole direction that the rest of the city council has moved towards. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. How do you think Seattle unfolds now? The feckless leadership there has allowed this situation to fester to a point of now, I don't know how there can be really a peaceful resolution without capitulation to the demands of the camp. And the people in the camp say that they're not leaving until their demands are made. Do you think they can find food or continue to sustain them? The thing is, I see a lot of people online saying things like, oh, the city should just shut off water, electricity. No, like that wouldn't do anything to stop them because some of them are already bringing in generators. They have significant support from the wider population. And this goes back to what I mentioned earlier about how the political monoculture is really important. They actually have an excess of food and supplies. People are pouring in these donations. Like, there's so much food there, and it's all coming in through outside aid, essentially, if you want to call it that. And so that's going to continue. They're trying to build these farms. You see them digging ditches and trying to build some infrastructure. It's basically a joke. All their food is being delivered in. People, their comrades, supporters are just driving up right up to the border checkpoint and unloading truckloads of non-perishable foods. They have posted the address for where people can order pizza and get that delivered. So people all around the country are also donating pizza. So this can go on, I think, indefinitely. You have some businesses in there who either out of cowardice or fear because they want to not see their business destroyed, are also providing support for these people. I don't know how there can be a peaceful resolution to this without giving in to their demands because the police now, they don't have the tools to be able to disperse a crowd of thousands. I don't know how else they're going to get everybody else here without 
moving in such large numbers of police and physically arresting, but there's so many of them. That's not that big an area. Are there literally several thousand people? Yes. Wow. That's a lot of people for a not very big area. Well, if you count all the blocks, it's maybe up to six blocks long. It's a very large occupation. What do you think are the odds that they will try to expand? Well, that's their next goal. The border, even though it's defined by these barricades, it actually extends a lot further than that. So police are avoiding the entire area of Capitol Hill, which is pretty large. And so you see actually them, some of the people who are assigned to doing security, some of the organizers, volunteers, they go way out of the border checkpoints to direct and stop traffic. They were doing that over the weekend, a witness. They have high morale right now. The city council is giving them everything they want. What are the most extreme of their demands? I know they had a list of 30 demands, but were there some that struck you as particularly implausible? I would say most of it is implausible. There are different factions within the camp. There are those who are, I guess you could call them the extreme social justice warriors who want to overtake the current institution and put themselves in power. And I think those are the people behind some of the demands. Then you have the Antifa anarchist communists who refuse to work in the system and want more so to use the space as sort of a zone where they can carry out their criminal activities, then making it very clear that they want to burn down the East Precinct. But in terms of the demands have been put out, they want the Seattle Police Department to be defunded by minimum of 50%, if not more. They want the budget that is tens of millions of dollars that's supposed to go towards the SPD to then be used for whatever they want as a form of, they call it, reparations. They want to establish separate race-based institutions that prioritize blackness. It's complete turning upside down what American society is, not just on principle, but actually in practice. It's doing away with the rule of law. They don't want the rule of law. They are wanting to abolish the American criminal justice system. These are the demands I have. Obviously, some of them, it's impossible to meet, but that doesn't mean the city council won't try to capitulate as much as they can. They must be attracting recruits from all over the place. Yes, actually. Through my time there, there are definitely people inside there who are not from Seattle, and there are many people who are watching from far away the video and propaganda that's coming out from there and taking inspiration from it. And actually, there were several attempts in the past week to establish these so-called autonomous zones in different cities. They didn't have success, fortunately. They tried that in some southern cities. They tried it in Portland. I think, fortunately, even liberal mayors recognize that if they allow something like that to take root, it's going to be held for them later. Do you expect Portland to be tougher on Antifa than Seattle is? In this particular instance, yes, Portland is responding more strongly in not letting militant Antifa establish an autonomous zone in downtown, as they've been trying to do. 
And I think the fires they started the last night was retaliation for the police clearing them out the past few days. I do want to point out that your book, which will come out in February, is already listed on Amazon. I really wish you well. I think what you're doing is remarkably important. Well, thank you so much. I'm really honored to hear that from you, Speaker Gingrich. Thank you to my guest, Andy No. You can read more about Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pendley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer them in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, how many U.S. universities receive funding from China and the Chinese Communist Party? And what influence does this money have on our higher education system? I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.